welcome on to our first episode of Inside the Lines, the newest, freshest, maybe the best sports podcast. I don't know, we'll figure it out. I'm James McCarthy and my co-host Tom Rocket. Tom, how you doing today? Good. Uh, sitting here in quarantine like everyone else, uh, doing the best social distancing I can right now. Hopefully uh, this social distancing will work and we get some sports starting soon. Uh, we'll have some takes for you that... Uh, that may be cold to you, but I think we think we're pretty hot takes. Uh, none of us are analysts here, so we're going to do the best we can, hopefully provide some nice content for you guys. Yeah, we got this going on over Zoom. You know, social distancing kind of been, kind of been a force for most people. Um, kind of getting used to it, honestly, which is not great. Like, I'm honestly doing kind of the same thing every day. I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't know. I'm in a, I'm in a, I got, I'm in a bad routine. Yeah, I got the... I mean, staying up till 12, 1 o'clock, watching my shows. My mom getting mad like I'm in high school again, like stop playing video games. So it's weird being home again. I wake up late, uh, get a workout in if I'm motivated. Um, if I have class, attend class as, as well as I can over Zoom. It's hard. So uh, just trying to do the best, best, best we can. And um, hopefully we'll get some good sports going soon. As much as like it's going to be different. Uh, we got the MJ uh, MJ documentary and uh, NFL draft to look forward to. So hopefully there's some good content there. I've honestly been, I've been, I mean, you said you were staying up till 12 one. I've honestly been staying up till like, I, like I was up till like four o'clock uh, some nights. I've been ripping TV shows, started, finished Ozark, which I think you started um, caught up on Peaky Blinders kind of just been trying to, I don't know, I've been watching a lot of old movies too. Just kind of trying to watch as much whatever is considered good TV and movies as I can. So I've been yeah. through those. I've been doing a lot of Madden. We started a nice Madden league. Uh, so, I mean, that's keeping us interesting. You got 10 teams in that, you know, just having fun. I went 19 and 0 in the first season. Everyone thinks I'm cheating. I'm just, maybe I'm just that good. But uh, so just trying to keep busy, staying on Xbox Live, talking to friends. Uh, I actually haven't started any new shows yet, so hopefully I'll get to get to soon so we can talk about Ozark. I've been looking forward to watching that. I mean, this is, like you were saying, you're a video game guy. It's just like the worst time to not be a video game guy. Like, I just, I'm, I mean, I, first things first, I stink at video games. My peak video game years were, I want to say, uh, Call of Duty... The OG Black Ops that had Kino and Ascension. I was running. I was running that back like a couple weeks ago, playing on the old Ascension map. But I can only play solo, and I'd make it like twelve rounds. And I just want to, you know. Yeah, yeah. We actually got. We all got a bunch of the boys got Black Ops on the Xbox One, and we've been gaming on it. But zombies hits different. We get to round twenty, and you're like, okay, um, I'm done with this. This is fun. We've been trying to play online. Just trying to stay busy, not going, not going insane. But uh, I think this is a, a good way to keep busy. Hopefully provide, uh, provide some content. We got a, a great first guest, Mike Kosicki, the Dolphins. What a beauty. What a beauty. Yeah. I mean, for us, we were very nervous. So <laughs> I think he was very like relaxed and gave it back and wasn't like judgmental. So I think it went really well. I mean, this is his, I mean, this is the most low stakes media interview he's ever done in his life. So like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's used to it by now, and then we're, I don't know, we're hopping into it. Had, you know, tried to have a little fun with that, too, we can. Get our, dip our toes in the podcasting interviewing uh, water, so. I mean, it was fun. Um, 
it was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Uh, getting a little insight into life as a NFL player, getting drafted, being a young guy in the NFL, playing multiple sports in high school. I mean, he was a he was a dunk contest. He was a legit, legit basketball player. He was saying he could have played some other places, but yeah, uh, it was definitely there. really interest. Definitely really interesting learning about his experience. Um, we got some good questions in. Uh, hopefully, you guys. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the first interview. Uh, here it is. A few moments later. All right. Uh, please uh, welcome uh, our first guest, uh, Dolphins tight end, former Nittly Line, uh, Mike Kosecki. Uh, how you doing today, Mike? Doing good, man. Happy to be on. So how's, uh, how's quarantine going for you? How's it been the last month or so? What have you been up to? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, like a lot of other people, man, just kind of bored, um, you know, trying to stay busy with, you know, working out at home and, you know, I got a, you know, gym in my garage that I kind of put together and, uh, you know, just kind of doing some, some football stuff where I can. Um, but, you know, for the most part, just, you know, just trying to do whatever I can to stay busy. So, uh, you know, kind of trying to beat this boredom. What's the, like, what's the off season been for you mostly? And I guess the other Dolphins too, because, I mean, obviously this is a unprecedented time. I'm guessing it's very different than what, whatever you guys were doing last year. Like, have you been talking to the new yeah. OC and trying to get stuff done there? Or, like, have you been able to meet with any of your other teammates or not really? Yeah, so, I mean, for the most part, um, the offseason, you know, everybody kind of is, you know, on their own. Um, and then uh, right around when April, like mid-April rolls around, that's when, you know, OTA starts back up. And uh, so, obviously, this year, you know, that's not going to happen with the coronavirus going on. But, um, you know, we still have, you know, starting next Monday, we're going to have, you know, Zoom calls and, you know, online stuff and virtual, you know, go through the playbook, you know, talking to, you know, coaches, you know, coordinators, head coaches, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you just got to make it happen with, you know, these, like you said, unprecedented times. I was going to say is, how is, like, how is the difference between, like, the preparation and the offseason in college and to the NFL? Um, you know, I mean, college football and, you know, the NFL, it's, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's football and, you know, it's, you know, you're still, you're still preparing, you know, the, the same way and, you know, you're still working out the same way, but, uh, you know, there are some differences in terms of, you know, just the, the pro game is more, you know, you got to be locked in a little bit more in terms of like the X's and O's and, you know, the, you know, the, the terminology and the languages and, you know, the, just kind of, you know, the, um, the intelligence of the game, you know, that that's where you got to make up for it. And, you know, cause everybody there is, you know, big and strong and fast and is there for a reason. So um, you, know, you got to make up for it with, you know, your understanding of the playbook and the concepts and everything like that. Yes. Yeah, so you're saying, you're saying locked in. We were looking up, uh, or at least I was looking up a couple of your videos on YouTube yesterday, mm-hmm. one of your mic'd up ones. And it was like, uh, I was like, you chose to mic up the wrong guy. Cause you didn't really talk too much during the game. And it was pretty yeah. hilarious. You, you, I don't, I think you're right. I don't think you said a thing during the game. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, yeah, they mic'd me up for that game. And I, I think I said, you know, five words, the entire thing, you know, like I, like I said, you know, just kind of locked in the whole game, you know, focus on my job, my role, um, and just doing, you know, what I can, um, you know, to just make the most of my opportunities. Is there any, any big guys? trash talkers? What's that? Any big trash talkers that try oh, and get I mean, you in there? I mean, there, there's, there, there's a, there's a ton, you know, throughout the entire league. Um, 
you know, I mean, it's just how some guys just kind of go about their business, you know, it kind of like gets them motivated and that kind of stuff. Um, I've never, I've never been into it just because a, like, I'm pretty tired during the game anyway. So for me to, you know, go out and start talking and then that, that exerts more energy. So I just kind of keep to myself and, you know, just go out and make some plays. Yeah, I think the only thing I saw was uh, he gave the crowd a nice shush uh, after yeah. the touchdown this year with the, in New England. Yeah, which... yep, no doubt. Yeah, we're a couple of Pats fans up here. That was uh, that was a that was a tough that was a tough day for us. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I know it was. I know it was. <laughs> um, so. I think one of the interesting things was uh, like watching some of your high school mixtapes. I know Overtime retweeted one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. How serious were you about basketball? And like, did you ever think you could play in college? Yeah, so I mean, basketball was something I did my whole life. Um, you know, that was like the first sport that I picked up, you know, when I was a little kid. And then, uh, you know, when I got into high school, then I really started to get serious about football and, you know, some opportunities in football. But I mean, I did have, you know, some, you know, collegiate offers for basketball and, um, you know, some like Patriot League schools like Bucknell, Colgate, you know, some schools like that and ended up taking a visit. Um, but, you know, I just kind of saw like my potential in football and knew where the game of football could take me compared to, you know, basketball. Um, you know, I knew I could play at the next level in terms of college uh, and basketball, but I didn't know if I could make a profession out of it. So, uh, you know, I ended up just sticking with football. You look pretty good in those Knicks tapes, though. We saw the uh, the dunk contest that you won. That was pretty, that was pretty sweet. You know, yep. the, the three, the 360 yeah. dunk in a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, it was fun. I mean, I loved basketball. Um, you know, I had I had a ton of fun playing, um, but I, ultimately, you know, I kind of knew my potential in football was going to be a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, do you any of the Dolphins players play with you, or are they not good enough? Uh, no. There's a uh, you know Devontae Parker. You know, he's he's really good at basketball. I mean, there's there's a, yeah. there's a lot of guys. You know, a lot of the like the receivers. You know, DBs like those guys. You know, they're super athletic. Uh, we used to play a lot at Penn State. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's a ton of guys that are, uh, you know, really good at basketball. You ever take Saquon one-on-one? <laughs> he's more of a, just like a high energy, like defense, <laughs> like he's going to try to steal the ball. That kind of stuff. Great athlete, obviously, but, uh, no, we never did. Did you watch the MJ documentary last night? I did. I did. Are you, are you, uh, MJ, LeBron, Kobe? What's, what's your, uh, opinion on that? Um, you know, it's, it's like a shame I never, you know, really got to watch, you know, Michael Jordan play. That's why I'm excited about this documentary, just kind of like seeing, you know, what kind of, you know, obviously you always hear the stories, but, you know, be able to watch this, it's kind of like firsthand. You get to see how he went about his business. Um, I think, you know, all three of those guys are unbelievable basketball players. And I think that the thing that, you know, kind of makes them how, you know, successful they are is like how competitive they are. Um, you know, you hear the stories about Kobe and, you know, what he would do when it, you know, came to winning and, you know, Michael Jordan goes to the finals six times, six finals MVP, six, you know, championships. Uh, you know, you see like what LeBron's doing now at the age he's at. Uh, so, I mean, in, in all of their own ways, you know, they're all, you know, really, um, you know, special and, you know, you know, some of the, the best to, uh, you know, pick up a basketball. So kind of bringing it back to high school, what was your recruiting process like at least getting to, college what other schools were you looking at and what ultimately you know made you pick Penn State over whatever other options you had yeah so um in high school you know I had offers from you know a lot of schools around the country um and then ultimately I kind of had it down to my top two were Penn State and Ohio State and I took visits a ton of times Ohio State 
uh, drove out to Penn State a bunch of times with my family. And, uh, you know, ultimately it was just, you know, I committed to Coach O'Brien when he was there at Penn State, uh, Bill O'Brien, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to play in that offense and, you know, play for him. And, um, and then he left, you know, right before signing day. And uh, at that point, you know, I was committed to Penn State. You know, I didn't sign any papers yet, but, like, I was – I was comfortable with, you know, the, the area of State College. I was comfortable with the guys on the team and the relationships that I've built. And, you know, I, now looking back, you know, I'm happy I, you know, stayed committed to Penn State and went there because it was, uh, you know, the best four years of my life. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's weird, but I'm a Ohio State and a Penn State fan, so that's a little, yeah. that's a little awkward. I mean, yeah, no but uh, how was that rivalry in general? Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was great. Um, you know, my freshman year, the first time we played them, uh, it was at home in a whiteout, went in double overtime. Um, you know, we were winning the first overtime. Then they matched us, went in double overtime. They ended up winning it. And then my junior year, we played them again. We beat them. And then my senior year, we played them again. We were up late in the fourth quarter. Then they came back and won it. I mean, it was always, you know, back and forth. It was always close. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, they've had a ton of success, um, you know, each and every year. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was awesome playing them. It was always a big game. It was something that you look forward to. Yeah, what's that atmosphere playing in playing in that stadium for your home games? Like you were saying, a whiteout. That I mean, that's got to be the best, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean Penn State. You know, with those whiteouts and that crowd and the, um, you know, just the, the the atmosphere in general um, in State College on game day, uh, it's second to none. You know, those guys are um, those fans are you know the best in all sports, and um, you know, super happy that you know I was able to call that place home and you know play there for four years. Um, it's you know, ultimately, you know, got me ready for, you know, the next phase of my career in terms of, you know, playing away games and that kind of, I mean, nothing can compare to, you know, playing where I played at in college, so. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to talk about the first, like, the big jump because the first two years weren't you guys seven and six, seven and six, and then you both had two yeah. uh, 11-win seasons to kind of finish off your career, and you kind of smelt the college football playoff like you were right. two. Yeah. So how, how was that experience, like, coming down to the end? Yeah, so, I mean, that was, um, you know, we kind of went through our adversity. You know, we had our, you know, struggle seasons where, you know, we were just kind of like middle of the pack like the rest of the country. And then, you know, finally, you know, we turned it on those last two years and won a Big Ten championship, went to the Rose Bowl, uh, won a Fiesta Bowl, back-to-back 11-win seasons, New Year's Six Bowls. I mean, the whole whole nine yards, it was uh, it was awesome. It was, it was a great time, you know, play for Penn State. It was a great time to be in State College. And I think that, you know, now – Penn State's kind of back to where it belongs, um, you know, back in the top tier of, you know, college football every single year. And uh, it was definitely uh, definitely an exciting, you know, process to be a part of to kind of see it when my first two years there and now see it, you know, my last two years and where it is now. Uh, so now kind of moving on. So obviously you go from Penn State and your second round pick for the Dolphins. How is that uh, the pre-draft process, kind of what the guys are going through now? How is the uh, – I guess starting with the combine and your pro days yeah. for you, what was the preparation like for that? And uh, just talk yeah, a little so, more about that. Yeah, so I, I, uh, so I trained at a, a spot out in Pensacola, Florida uh, for the combine um, uh, training facility called Exos. And, you know, they kind of just focus on all combine specific drills for, you know, two months and you go there and, you know, it's, you know a specific diet and this, that. And uh, then went to the combine and, you know, felt really prepared and went out and, you know, had a good showing. Went out to pro day, met with teams. Um, it's a it's a fun process, man. It's cool. It's it's long and it's like grueling, um, but uh, ultimately, you know, something that 
you know, you look forward to your whole life and then, you know, you go through it. And if you go about it the right way and you, know, you do the things you're supposed to do, then uh, it works out for you. And uh, luckily, you know, I, I was able to do that. Uh, the one question that that's always uh, like weird to me is the wonderlick test. And I always, that's always a big topic for some reason. How was yeah. that? Like, was it difficult? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a, it's a quick test. Um, I think you only get like 12 minutes. I forget, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a lot of time. Um, it's 50 questions and, you know, you just kind of just run through it. It's a lot of it's like basic information and, you know, you're just trying to see, you know, what guys are about and all that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing too crazy or nothing too hard. I honestly don't even remember uh, the score I got. I know I had, you know, above average or whatever normal, you know, score you should have. Like it wasn't like alarmingly low. Like, you know, you see like every year, you know, there's always that one guy that has like a low score and then people kind of blow it out of proportion. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a quick, like basic knowledge testing. So we're moving on to you uh, getting drafted. How was your experience on draft night? Like, what, where were you, uh, and how is yeah. that? Did you have any idea that the the Dolphins were going to get you? Were there other teams you thought, or um, um, how was that? Yeah. So I mean, I visited uh, the Dolphins uh, during the draft process. Um, you know, I, they they flew me out, and you know, I met with all their coaching staff, the, you know, the GM, you know, everybody. Um, and so I knew that that was a team that was possible to uh, to pick me up. And then, uh, you know, ultimately on draft day, you know, I was home. I was back with my family, my friends, you know, my girlfriend, you know, all the people that were important to me. You know, we were all uh, at my house and, um, you know, my phone rang and it, uh, you know, said Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And it was just, it was awesome, man. Like I knew, you know, where I was going. I knew the situation I was going into and uh, it was fun. It was an experience, you know, I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, something that, you know, that you wait for and you work for your whole life. So it was, it was, it was awesome. Did did you guys have uh, players like reach out to you right away, or how was that? Like you get the playbook. Yeah, it was cool. Um, you know, when I was there, when I, when I was a rookie, um, you know, like Tannehill was the quarterback, and you know, we had Frank Gore running back. So like guys like that texting me right away. You know, excited to have you on. Um, and then obviously, you know, you hear from all the coaches, and then uh, it was about ten days after that that uh, you fly down and then you get you get going. Uh, every team does it differently. Some guys go out the next day. Some guys go out a week later. Ten, we, I went out about 10 days later. I think it was like two weeks, 10 days. And uh, it was fun. And it was, it was a great experience. It was cool. And, uh, you know, something I'll never forget. So how is training camp um, as a rookie? Because, like, the only taste we get of it is, you know, as, as big football fans, we're always watching hard knocks and, you know, right. love that and see what it is. How was yeah. it as a rookie? Is there uh, a lot of hazing going on like they uh, like they show in Hard Knocks or is it kind of different in I mean, a professional atmosphere? You know, for the most part, it is like a professional atmosphere. I mean, there's there's the stuff like you see, you know, where you're carrying, you know, stuff off the field for guys and, you know, the older guys are kind of joking around or, you know, you go out to dinner and, you know, you got to pick up the bill, like some stuff like that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, it, it's all handled professionally and because, uh, I mean, at that point, you know, you're in training camp and, you know, guys are just trying to, you know, just enjoy themselves and, but also, you know, if you're serious and you understand that this is, you know, a job opportunity. And um, but uh, you know, training camp rookie year was uh, it was fun. It was exciting. It was something new, and uh, you know, just another step of the process. How how difficult was it uh, switching? Because I know you guys had Tannehill and Osweiler your rookie year, and then yeah. you come to last year where you had Fitzpatrick and Rosen, kind of mm -hmm. older, younger guy. Uh, yeah. How was that in general? How was the transition? Yeah, I mean, 
it's just kind of something that, you know, you had to be used to, um, you know, uh, Tannehill got hurt and then, you know, Brock came in. So, I mean, and I mean, you're getting reps with everybody during practice. So it's not like a huge transition once, um, you know, once one guy goes down or once they, you know, put one guy in or take one guy out, whatever. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, all these guys are professionals and, uh, you know, they're doing, um, you know, their, their job, the best of their ability. And, you know, they're some of the best in the, in the, in the world at what they do. So, um, you know, they put the ball where it needs to be. And it's up to you to go out and make a play. Yeah, um, we're both kind of big Fitzpatrick, Fitz, Fitzmagic fans over here. Yeah. Um, like after that big game with the Bucks, he came out. Uh, he was wearing like the jumpsuit yeah. and the glasses looked like beast. Uh, any any other uh, insides on Fitzpatrick? He seems like seems like a pretty funny dude. Great guy. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's the best man. He's he's an absolute clown. Um, you know he's thirty eight years old I think, and you know yeah. you would think he's like. 25 the way he acts and just jokes around and he always cracking jokes in the huddle you know we'll be on two minute drill and you know going down to win the game or you know put up a big play or something like that and he's just still cracking jokes and just having fun I think it's cool to kind of have that because you know as serious as everything is and as you know intense everything is at the end of the day you know to have you know the leader of your team you know just kind of calm everybody down and you know also you know joke around and kind of make light of a situation but also be all business about it um it's cool it's fun and uh, you know, I love having him on our team. Yeah, how did, how did your coach take it when he would just go out there scrambling for his life, putting his, like, helmet on the line just for a, a oh, random yeah. first down? I mean, it was it was crazy just because, you know, I mean, the guy is 38 years old and he's running around, you know, taking big hits. And, you know, you see other quarterbacks around the league that are just throwing the ball out of bounds and, you know, living to see the next play. And he's just, you know, scrapping for an extra yard or two. Um, so, I mean – at the end of the day, you know, the coaches loved it. You know, they would obviously tell him, you know, be safe and, you know, you know, take, you know, just live to see the next play and all that. But, you know, Fitz is one of a kind, so he goes just goes out and makes plays. Yeah, any of the guys ever give him a hard time for being a Harvard guy? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, we got uh, one of our coaches uh, is, a, is a Yale guy, so they always had their little, you know, Yale-Harvard um, rivalry. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of their thing. But, yeah. Um, I don't know if we, we watched an interview when you were talking about uh, the sun and how it was confusing for you that there's snow on Everest, but, uh, but like, the sun is supposed to be closer to the sun. It's hotter. Uh, does he have any take on that? Or what, what is your take overall? How do you come to that? You see, you know, ultimately, you know, we were talking about that. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, it's just, it's just something to talk about. You know, like, I understand, is the sun hot? Absolutely. It's a good and point, then, honestly. Right. But then I was like, you know, but you get closer to the sun, it gets colder. You know, how does that work? This thing, it's cold in space. It's cold on the top of mountains. Like, there's snow up there. I was like, oh, you know what? It's just something to talk about. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I was able to give everybody a good laugh about that during all this uh, serious quarantine stuff. So, uh, just happy to spread a little laughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard you're also a big T-Swift fan. Uh, I went to her concert in 2015, so I always got – Did you? Like, yeah, I, was, I always got crapped on, but I was, I've always been a T-Swift Love guy. it. Love it. I, I support you in that. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to this year a little bit. So, I guess from an outside look, uh, you guys got off to a tough start the first two games with big losses and everyone, yeah. you know, then you trade Fitzpa uh, you trade Mickey Fitzpatrick and then, you know, a lot of reports are coming out that, you know, guys aren't happy in the locker room and um, want to get traded. Kind of how did how did you guys stay together amidst all the kind of difficult adversity at the beginning of the year 
and then end up having a, you know, a really good end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think a lot of the stuff with the guys being unhappy in the locker room and, you know, people, you know, calling it a tank and this, that, the other thing, you know, a lot of that was just created by the media. Um, you know, the guys in the locker room were, were happy. You know, we were excited to just, you know, continue to, you know, do what we do and get better. Um, you know, it was just a, it was a lot of new, you know, it was a new coaching staff. There was new players coming in each and every week, you know, uh, signing free agents, you know, that were just got cut from another team or just, it was so much, uh, you know, change, uh, turnover each and every week. So it's tough to kind of build that camaraderie. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, we got our team together and, um, you know, we were able to kind of build something uh, towards the second half of the year. You know, we had a, we had a successful second half of the year. We finished five and four in the last nine games. Uh, obviously finished with that big win in New England. I mean, it was just it was just a fun way to, you know, end the season. And, uh, um, you know, I think we were able to block out, you know, all the outside noise because, um, you know, none of us really believed in it. So, uh, you know, we just kind of just believed in our coaching staff and the guys in the, in that building, and we were able to get better and improve. Yeah, off of that, um, coming from New England, Flores is kind of like always a question card for us. I mean, I know him as like the go Malcolm guy. So, and like he always is kind of like in the background. Is he like a raw raw guy, or is he just like even to you? I mean, Coach Flo, uh, you know, I mean, he's he does have that you know all business um, mindset, but then you know also at the same time, you know, he's he's a younger guy, he's a young head coach. So, I mean, he does have fun with it. He'll joke around, he'll crack jokes. Um, you know, I mean, I love playing for him. He's uh, you know a guy that is going to get the most out of everybody in that locker room. So uh, I think that that's uh, you know he's he's never going to you know settle for anything that's not your best. So I think that he's been able to, uh, you know, create a lot of success and kind of give us um, the, you know, that, that championship mindset moving forward coming from his successful years in New England. Is there a big noticeable difference going from uh, Coach Gase to Coach Flores? Like, did he set the tone differently? And could you tell that it was kind of a different uh, mindset in the locker room for the team going uh, when he got there? Um, you know, honestly, you know, when Coach Gase was there, you know, he was, you know, he was a great leader for us. You know, the guys loved him. The guys in the locker room loved him. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, you know, the upstairs, you know, management, and you know, they just, you know, felt it was time to move on. And, you know, then they brought in Coach Flores, and uh, then Coach Flo came in, and um, you know, he just kind of set a set a standard, and you know, guys just had to, you know, work up to it and live up to it. And if you didn't, then honestly, you know, then you weren't going to be there anymore. And uh, so. Um, you know, obviously, you know, two different head coaches, but, you know, two guys I have a ton of respect for and have loved, you know, working for and playing for. And, uh, you know, now with, you know, Coach Flores, where uh, where he's at, uh, you know, love playing for him and uh, excited to continue to, you know, develop in his system and under, you know, his coaching. Uh, <clears throat> just bring it back to uh, the, the loss for us and the win for you at the end of the year. Like, what was your guys' mindset? I mean, you had one of your best games, two touchdowns. Like, what was your mindset going into – the Patriots, like supposedly, like best defense in the last like ten years for them, yeah. kind of. Yeah, I mean, we played them earlier in the season, and they 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 took it to us in Miami, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, you go back, you watch that film, and then that was week two, and then by the time week seventeen comes around, you know, last week of the season, you know, you see how much you know our team was able to develop and get better, and um, you know, improve throughout the year. So, you know, there was definitely a lot more confidence going into that game, and. Uh, you know, we go up against, you know, that, that system every single day in practice when we go against our guys, you know, coming from, you know, Coach Flo coming from New England and, you know, implementing that defense. And 
so, you know, I think it was just, you know, we felt comfortable and, you know, Fitz just kind of ran the show and, you know, put a lot of guys in position to be successful. And, uh, you know, we knew that the Patriots can be playing hard that week because they were playing for, um, you know, that bye week and all that. And uh, so we knew, you know, we were going to get their best shot and we were excited about it. Something I've always been curious about, we're both big fantasy football guys. Do guys in the locker room, are they ever playing fantasy football? And how annoying is it getting uh, people reaching out to you about starting them or not starting them in fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, I, don't, I don't think a lot of guys play um, fantasy football. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's not a time where, you know, I've walked out on the field for, you know, a stretch when I'm in just like shorts and a T-shirt and you can hear everybody in the stands because at that point, you know, it's not loud or anything. So you, you hear people yelling down to you and, you know, guy, hey, Mike, I got you on my fantasy team. Need a big day, or like just like some some stuff like that. I mean, it, it's obviously you know it's all joking, or some of them are actually dead serious. But you know, for me, you know, I take it as a joke, and um, you know, just kind of understand you know the the profession of it, and uh, know that you know those guys are enjoying themselves. You know, playing some fantasy football, so all power to them. I think we're wrapping up here, but. The one – another uh, like loss for the Pats was that hook and ladder play. Like, just bring us through, like, yeah. what was the what was the play call there and, like, like what happened, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, I know it sounds, like, cliche and everything, but, like, we literally practiced that play every Saturday. Um, we would go through, you know, our end of the day – or end of the game, you know, play calls and, um, you know, the trick plays and whatever. And uh, that was a play that we ran, you know, a ton of times on – and we ended up using it, obviously, against New England that year. And, I mean, it literally worked, like, to perfection, like exactly how we drew it up, which, I mean, you don't always envision, like, something like that to work exactly how you drew it up, but it worked to perfection. And it wasn't, like, specific for New England or, like, how they ran, you know, anything. Like, yeah. it was just, all right, like, we got to go 70 yards in one play. Like, how are we going to do it? Um, and that I mean, was luckily, luckily you that? Had, uh, said luckily you had Gronks in there at the – the goal line is not enough. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I was I was I was lining up and I saw him at safety and I was just like, "What in the world is he doing out on the field?" Like, and then, I mean, I I was on the backside of the play and I just kind of had a great view of it and it was uh, <laughs> it was definitely you know a play that it was very cool to be a part of. Yeah, probably last question from me here, but talking about Gronk being out there, do you have any uh, kind of growing up and playing, are there any tight ends you would, you know, look up to try and model your game after um, or just kind of yeah. trying to do your own thing? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, trying to do your own thing, but, uh, you know, there is some, some guys around the league that, you know, you it's hard to ignore, you know, how talented they are and you would love to implement some of their stuff into your game. Um, you know, like Travis Kelsey, you know, being a successful, uh, you know, tight end in this league. You know, George Kittle does a great job of doing everything. Um, you know, there's, you know, you can name a whole bunch of guys that have, uh, you know, really created a name for themselves and have helped, um, you know, the tight end, you know, group as a whole um, become, you know, playmakers and, you know, be out on the field, you know, make big plays. Yeah, I mean, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, first interview, get some jitters out. Uh, no doubt. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Really good luck this season. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Good luck. All right, later, fellas. A few moments later. All right, so there was our interview with Dolphins tight end Mike Kosicki again. Like, what a what a great guy in our first podcast. We have no following; it's our first thing, and we get a tight end for the Dolphins. That was that was pretty unreal, honestly. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a pretty well known name, starting tight end for Penn State. Uh, 
And Dolphins tight end had five touchdowns this year. Big, big year looking over 50 receptions uh, this year or last year coming in. Probably has high hopes. Um, what a what a great guy though. He's really interesting. Um, I think the best part about that was his insight, Ryan Fitzpatrick, about how he's a dude. It's not uh, just a dude. Yeah, a couple of great takeaways there um, for you guys, especially our viewers, and for us. It'd be great experience in general. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I was definitely bugging a little bit before that interview. <laughs> I, was I mean, I had I had a nice little pit in my stomach. I was I was saying. Oh crap! What like what could happen? Are you gonna make a fool out of yourself? First mm. question. I went down a little rough. Had a couple of likes in there. A couple of ums. We're still we're still learning here. So hopefully Funny, I can cut down to those. I'm really worried about my like we were saying my audio levels because especially people at school they, I get a lot of shit for being too loud. And I mean my my always my comeback to that is like I'm loud because I want people to hear what I say, um, which I think is so I think is a pretty good spin zone, but. Yeah. in an interview like this i don't know if you want to be the loudest guy but i don't know like you're saying with your likes and ums and you know me talking we'll see how it goes maybe we'll figure it out we'll get our podcaster voices going yeah so what do you think about the mj doc last night well yeah i mean there hasn't been any sports on in the last what has it been the last month or so which is obviously sucks so this was this was really nice to get something going like i heard i was listening to uh I was watching first take this morning and they were saying, I don't know, Kellerman, Kellerman had something about how Kellerman had something about how like pumped up everyone was because like there hadn't been anything. So it was a good take from him. Um, but no, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, kind of what we were saying with Mike in the interview, we're too young and he was too. I mean, he's only three years older than us, but we're all too young to really, appreciate MJ or at least watch any of his games so just like being able to see film from him was pretty sweet and then just seeing the like the MJ mentality was I mean he's I and mean, he's beauty yeah for us I've always been an MJ guy uh, a couple of our friends are LeBron guys so I go back and forth with them even though I haven't um, haven't watched MJ live I was kind of going towards LeBron in these recent years, just on the argument side, like some people were kind of convincing me. But after that, after that first uh, two episodes, I think I'm gonna be back right, right with MJ crowd, and I think this is just gonna make me more of an MJ guy. And I, I believe that um, our whole generation in general will get a, we get an inside view uh, of Jordan, and that could sway them a little more towards. Uh, towards the Jordan side because I know Jalen Rose is talking today. He had a good take about um, how we didn't see him and he understands the point of not being able to see him and stuff like that. So he gets our generation's point, but LeBron hasn't uh, had the accomplishments that even like Russell had. Well, no one has what Russell has. Kareem, Magic, stuff like those guys. So I think it was a great insight. Uh, definitely some villains that we could add on to the, the quarantine villain list with Carol Baskins. I guess this Jerry Krause guy is up there. Yeah, you see the thing in how Jerry Krause is basically – he looks exactly like the guy from Space Jam. Uh, that was funny. Yeah, whoever the coach of the Monsters is. I mean, actually, it makes a lot of sense. But on your LeBron point, we were talking a little bit about this yesterday. I mean, we're both anti-LeBron guys. 
at least I'm not like an anti. I, mean, I, I guess think it's a LeBron guy. But my thing is, I'm. I, I mean, we're both biased. I think from being Celtics fans. I mean, I mean, LeBron's game six, and I want to say it was whatever the 2011 playoffs. It was like his first or second year. I think it was first first or second year of the Heat when he came into the Garden and dropped. Uh, I have never seen a basketball player take over a game the same way LeBron did in game six there when the Celtics were up 3-2. And, I mean, I hated LeBron. I don't know if I hated LeBron before that, but after that I have hated LeBron. And then any little thing he does, I'm just going to say I hate LeBron because I'm just like, I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I mean, he's, uh, he's, I don't know. I think I'm on the same page as you. I find little snippets to just, like, chirp, just chirp him, even though they're probably nothing really. But I like to I like to chirp him, so I get my shots in when I can. Um, uh, there's nothing really else to say. I mean, hopefully we get uh, a lot more insight on on this topic, and we'll have a couple of guys on. You know, yeah. our our friends on LeBron side because they'll give us they'll give us yeah. hard arguments. As a Celtics fan, I my opinion, you can't like LeBron, so yeah. I respect him. Yeah, you can't like him. Well, going back to the doc. Like, Scotty Pippen, I had never really known much about. And then you see, like, I guess I always thought of it, it was like, I mean, it obviously goes MJ and then Scotty Pippen's the afterthought. I didn't know how legit Scotty Pippen was. Like, he was really good. And I was looking at his stats the year that, uh, the year that Jordan Lennon played baseball for, what was it, a year and a half? He, I mean, he was, like, second or third in MVP of voting. Like, he's a legit dude. He's – and, like, his story, I, I mean, I just absolutely loved it. Like, Arkansas yeah. – he went to, like, Central Arkansas State, and then he's like, – what? Like, what? I, I honestly had no clue. He was a manager practicing with the team, and some guys got in trouble, so he yeah. got a scholarship. Like came a Daniel Nava head. Yeah, came back with – like five inches added to him and all of a sudden was just a bona fide stud that's another thing so what's up with like so the same thing happened with jordan too when he so he got i mean everyone knows he got cut from his high school team sophomore year and then he comes back he grows like five inches and then he becomes a stud and same thing with scotty pippen like what's up with these guys just i don't know Roading. yeah i mean as a small guy i would wouldn't mind a couple inches over the summer, but I think I'm done growing. But I don't know. I, for me, for me, that was one of my points of frustration with the show. Yeah, for me, I'm five ten. I've been like that since uh, my sophomore year, and I, I believe a lot of our friends are similar to that. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was wild to see. I don't know how anyone grows five inches when they're in college. I would assume you would grow in high school like Jordan did, but Pippen just came out of nowhere and then you could see his work ethic in the gym. I, they gave us a couple of clips on the, on the bowls and then they told us how big of a work ethic guy he is. And I think that might be why he was such a good defender. Yes. This guy's like a gym rat and he's, he's in grinding. I know he had a couple injuries early on, so that could have played into it. And obviously that contract he signed was probably the most preposterous contract. Yeah. I've, I've ever, I didn't even know before that, that at all. That, that was a good insight for me. Seven years, I think it's eighteen million dollars yeah. for a top. They said at that point maybe a top five player in the NBA. Yeah, another thing that I saw in the documentary that I think just shows the 
how much MJ changed basketball, at least from what I think. When he was drafted, all these guys are saying, oh, he's only 6'6". A guy who's 6'6 can't change. Like, a team can't be the focal point of the team. There was just, like, like, yes, height is important in the NBA today, but even more so changing the more that, like, the jump shot becomes a thing and the three-pointer changes and becomes so much more important. You get, you know, smaller guys. I mean, obviously Steph Curry, but, like, even the Trey Young type, like, smaller guys were able to really – be able to be effective in the NBA. And, I mean, I say smaller guys, like 6'3", 6'2", whatever. Yeah. Big men were really the only – I don't know if the only big thing, but they were they, – big men ran the NBA back in the day. I mean, at that point, um, not a big NBA guy, but so Bird was talking about how they had Walton, McHale, and Parrish, seven-footers. Yeah. Yeah. Three seven-footers, and they controlled yeah. the glass, and yeah. they did that. And then on the Lakers side, I mean, probably years before that, you had Magic at 6'9 point guard, big dude, yeah. big presence. And then you also had Kareem before then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then stuff like that. And maybe that's why Jordan was picked third, because in, in our day, uh, he was a dominant college yeah. player. And Well, Hakeem was legit, too, who was picked overall first. And he's, like, probably one of the best 10 players of all time, I think, or at least top 20. But he's – I mean, Hakeem's legit, and I don't think anyone's saying that Houston – Oh, no. With that no, pick. But it was, I mean, it was obviously the, the Blazers getting – what was his name? Sam Bowie, who didn't turn out. I couldn't, even t- couldn't tell you that guy is. They're saying they had Clyde Drexler, and MJ is the same draft position. So, I guess it kind of just shows, like, people drafting for a need first picking best available player, I think. I think, which is, I mean, nowadays with whatever draft, you're probably better to go. Like, that's another one of the debates. Do you pick the best overall player or do you pick the guy that you need for a specific position? I think it's difficult um, depending on what your team is like and how it's formed at that point. You have the first pick for a reason or if you traded it like the Celtics did with one bias, there's stuff there. I think if you're picking in that – and you're, and you're picking in the top five, top ten, you need a big overhaul. And Hakeem fit with them and yeah. whatever. It was great. Uh, but I think the biggest point that stuck out to me, there's a couple, was the Bob Knight interview in the 84 Olympics. Yeah. He, literally, yeah. he said he's the best player he's ever seen. Yeah. And coming from a guy with that stature, I think says a lot. And it brings me to the point where that seven-minute window where he was working out at UNC, even though he wasn't supposed to be, comes back, and he's on a 14-minute time restriction. And he's going balls to the wall for 14 minutes. And somehow they made the playoffs at 30 and 52. I mean, that's ridiculous, but – Which is preposterous. I think – I'm pretty sure the NBA had – I mean, they definitely had less teams then. I think I was looking, and it was like – 11 or 12 teams in the Eastern Conference and still the top eight made it. I think I may be wrong there. I'll, I'll fact check later, but I think there was less teams and that uh, would make sense. But that 14 minutes astonished me. And then we can get more in depth about this next podcast, but the Celtics um, first round, just, just bird, just talking about Jordan was music to Jordan, Jordan lovers ears. Well, one thing, I'll talk about one thing about that game, and then we can get into the NFL draft. But kind of watching the whole the podcast as a, or the the podcast, watching the documentary as a whole, 
it like it's crazy how little they shot threes and how the mid-range jumper was like focal to the NBA then. I saw a stat on Twitter. It was so Jordan dropped 49 and 63 in game one and two against the Celtics, and he didn't attempt a three, which is just crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy in today's NBA. Um, Want to hop into the draft? Yeah. Uh, we're going into the draft. Well, analysts, I mean, GMs are all coming out saying that no one has a clue what's going on. The analysts are all wrong this year. And my general feeling is the analysts are basically always wrong. Yeah. You got, you got the Mel Kuypers, Papa Shays. They do their job well. I just don't think anyone can can go in the side of a Bill Belichick, a GM. Uh, so there's a lot there's a lot of mystery going on. Like right now, you can't even bet on the draft because because of that GM coming saying out. Yeah. So right now it's kind of a mystery you have the giants talking to herbert which is absurd yeah. maybe maybe that's just a position so the dolphins can jump them um stuff like that is this year i think is just the craziest especially with all the corona stuff you got the gms over zoom doing that so so i think it's pretty consensus at this point burrows going number 1 if you're the redskins at number 2 are you getting chase young or are you tempted by getting a quarter like drafting maybe to a because you don't have the faith in Dwayne Haskins. I think that's the toughest situation. You're getting Chase Young, uh, the number one overall prospect by everyone's boards. People are saying his D line coach is saying he's better than the Bosa twins, which is, which is a huge thing to say. Yeah. They're not bad. As an Ohio state fan missing two games, he led the league in sacks. He was just dominant. Just an, a specimen out there so I think for them it's a safe pick because you're going to get a guy you know the production you're going to get out of him not really injured too much just a bona fide stud and the Redskins organization right now is in shambles so that could be a nice solid pick for them and no one can really chirp them about it if he does well my take on it was so obviously I don't think anyone's going to debate most important position in football or at least most quarterback is a quarterback what's the second most important uh position it's getting to the quarterback uh you know so defensive end and if you're gonna if you're gonna draft Dwayne Haskins in the first round you're I mean you're committing to him at least for more than one year I mean that's a first round pick and from what I've heard uh, I mean what do I know but I heard it was uh, Dan Snyder was the guy who really went out on a limb for Dwayne Haskins, and Jay Gruden didn't necessarily uh, want him as much. So when he's bringing, so when, so when Dan Snyder's bringing in Ron Rivera this year, you gotta think he brought him in with the contingent that uh, Dwayne Haskins is your guy, right? I would assume so. Uh, Dwayne's definitely different than Rivera had in like the Newtons. Um, I'm assuming what they, their plan is. The roster construction, they got uh, Terry outside. They got AP still, Darius Geis. But if you're drafting Chase Young and you still have a young quarterback, Dwayne, that's a re- he has a really tough time at his multiple reads. At Ohio State, he had guys all over the field open. He has a big arm. What I would assume they would do is go to a run-heavy offense with play-action pass, taking shots downfield and getting after the quarterback and yeah. just sharing up that defense – We've seen in the past defensive won Super Bowls. This year was definitely different, but the Chiefs 
defense played unbelievable in the second half. Um, the Patriots two years ago, I mean, 13 to three at the, yeah. and the yeah. Rams played, played well too. Yeah. You see Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl that was, he was horrible. Yeah. Von Miller MVP. Who, who else was there? You got the Flacco Super Bowl. You know, that's a little farther away. Yeah. Um, stuff like that is, it's pretty crazy as much as the quarterback position in today's thing is in today's NFL is so important. These guys aren't making it all the way. I don't think Pat Mahomes makes it without, without that defense playing that well. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. I'd agree. I think, um, like, yeah, like what you were saying, when's the last time a team has won with a, with a quote unquote bad defense? Like, I remember the Patriots making it against uh, the Giants the second time. That defense was so bad. They only, and and uh, when they lost to the uh, Eagles the other, however long ago, that was, uh, that was, that was a bad – I think that was Brady's best performance in a Super Bowl, and he yeah. single-handedly won yeah. them. I think the craziest stat of that game was – I'm not sure. I know there's no sacks on Foles. I don't think he was touched. Foles? Yeah. Well, don't yeah think that's he what was, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Getting after the quarterback is – I mean, I mean, maybe it's not the second most important position, but it, it's at least up there. I'd say it, it's second. It, I think the second biggest trait. Okay. Okay. I think if you can get to the quarterback, it makes your secondary better. It gives yeah. your linebackers more range that they can fill the gaps and get the run run game down. And if you're worried about these guys in the edge or even up the middle, as we see with Aaron Donald, you're gonna have to sure up. You're gonna have to go. You're gonna change your whole offense around it. So Chase Young could could be that guy, and the Redskins aren't in that position right now. I, I guess if I if I had to rank positions in importance, I think I would go. So I go quarterback one. I think I'd go DN two, and then three. That point, you're there's all. I think it's corner. I think it's I think it's linebacker. I was just a middle uh, linebacker. No, no, I'm saying corner or exterior lineman tied for third would be like a like a legit left tackle or a shutdown corner is going to be tied for three. I don't. That's what I think. I it think gives. I think big, interior I think linemen. Yeah, I think interior linemen are not as important. Yeah, I think scheme fits into it all. Yeah, so I think if you have a really good coach, you're going to have a good scheme to fit in it. But uh, we, we'll probably – we'll go more in the depth on the draft uh, at the end. Um, I know there's a lot of running backs, and you post an article about the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. Yeah. So what's, what, what was your point there? So my big take there is so, – so, yeah, Christian McCaffrey signed uh, – he signed a big deal, $60 million a year, makes him the highest paid running back ever. I don't think it's a good deal for the Panthers. Um, I think the running back, and what I said in the article is, running backs are overvalued because there's so there's so little variation or uh, yeah variation at the running back position relative to other positions on the field. So, like like the best running back in the league, and you know your average run the mill starting running back for you know team whatever. Yes, the top guy is going to do better, obviously, but I don't think the variation between what they're going to give you and what the mediocre guy is going to give you is that big, and the money is that big. Uh, you, you know, we're talking tw- probably, probably 12 to $13 million difference between McCaffrey and an average running back. 
So what I would do if I'm a if I'm a GM, you 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 spend that twelve thirteen million dollars on the positions that have the greatest variability. So like I was saying, I think offensive line. If you have a, I mean, if you have the Marshall Newhouses of the world, your quarterback's going to get sacked. <laughs> and you're you're going to struggle. Um, spend it on a corner. Uh, spend it on, like you were saying, a linebacker. Don't spend it on an interior defensive lineman, which I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I don't think the, I don't think the variability of an interior lineman is that important. Because um, I think whoever you get, if you get a big guy to take up space, I mean, they're all NFL caliber players. They're all good. But the variability between the top, the top of the top and the mediocre isn't that big, and the money is that big. Yeah, I completely agree with the take there. We see what happened with Gurley. Christian McCaffrey, to like the outside view, obviously is a different player than we've seen. And people and, say with the McCaffrey is that he's he's also a receiver because he catches. I agree. But so is so are other running yeah. backs. I understand the like, take. I just, yeah. I agree there. You could, if you get two good guards and mm-hmm. you draft a running back in the third round, like Alvin Kamara, obviously yeah. that's a crazy, yeah. crazy thing. But good offensive lineman. Good offensive line in general, better run game. I think you could take a guy, even the second round. I think that's what GMs are going to, like the Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. What you do is you get a guy five years, rookie mm-hmm. contract up, he's done. Well, I, I also think Sony Michelle is a good example about what you were saying for this reason. So I'm a big anti Sony Michelle guy. Same. Think Same page. It's like. I mean, the guy's a walking third and eight. Literally, you give him the ball, it's, it's next thing you know, it's third and eight. But why were they so good? Uh, in, or why was he so good in the playoff run and down the stretch in the Super Bowl? Uh, line play. Yeah, the line play. Uh, Devlin was playing great. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, like, do your job part three about the Patriots. But basically, they say how the Patriots reinvented themselves in week 16 and 17 when they played the Dolphins and the Bills, and they changed their whole offensive scheme going from uh, – because Belichick goes up to McDaniels and Belichick says, like, what do we do best as a team? What have we done best this year? So he looks back at the film. It's, you know, running the ball hard through the tackles. So then McDaniels then adapts their game plan to bringing in more uh, – bringing in more linemen and using the Devlin set more – so then Michelle goes and has all the success. So I don't think Sony Michelle changed at all. The scheme changed. And I think any run-of-the-mill, any average NFL running back is going to have similar success, whereas um, not that much money has to be paid on the running back position, more so the parts around it to make the running back work. Yeah, I agree. Damian, Damian Williams this year, another good. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what was your take on the uh, on the Chargers draft? You were saying, are you right? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, I wrote an article. Uh, a lot of now it's changed a little bit, but a lot of analysts have the Chargers taking Herbert, or if Tua switches, they're taking Tua. I've, I've never been a big Chargers guy. I wasn't a big Rivers guy, as I said. The guy's got this quirky motion, pisses me off. He just yeah. he gets angry in the field. He was dumping the ball into the ground, just right at his running back's feet, just so he can get not get sacked, no no mobility. Chargers had injuries all over the field. Derwin James, mm-hmm. they had Russell mm-hmm. Okun, and we talked about offensive line as a big deal, so they had those guys out. And Tyrod Taylor, the last time we saw him in the, a fair spot was the, with the Bills. He put up average stats, like 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, something like that. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. 
but I think he can bring a big aspect to the to the Chargers in general with scrambling. You have Mike Williams on the outside. He had a down year injuries. Keenan Allen, I think, is one of the best wide receivers that's yep. talked about. Hunter Henry, a big target. So I think if Tyra can get them the ball in space, you do have Eckler, one of the most like Sproles type of guys out yeah. there. I love him. And you use a pick, maybe you trade down and get more assets. They have uh, some big holes in the linebacker spot, maybe a Kenneth Murray type guy, or if Zim- Isaiah Simmons falls, or as I said, Jeff Okuda. I think you got to hammer those guys. Those are big game changers there. As we talked about, corner, linebacker, big spots. That was kind of my take there. Now it's taken off in another direction, so I really don't know what the Chargers are going to do. I think uh, the Chargers are one of the most slept-on or underrated teams in the NFL. So last year, I don't was it, what were they, 4 and so They run they 5 and 11, and they lost 9 out of their 11 games by one possession. Yeah, yeah. They are – a very good team. That's why, uh, uh, speaking of Brady and how I went to Tampa, if I was Tom Brady and, you know, he's going, I think the Bucks is a good situation to go to, yes, but I think the Chargers would have been the best situation to go to. And I thought for sure he would be going there. Um, I mean, he got the new production company. I think it's out of L.A. But he also said another one of the reasons he wanted to go to Tampa was it was so close to New York, so maybe that was one of the reasons he didn't go. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we can uh, get into that. We yeah, we'll get that later. But I mean, he got he got two studs there with. There's here's a good side to Howard. Um, I like Bruce Arians a lot. Think, yeah, great coach. I mean, he yeah. had Jameis last year. Jameis did put up thirty touchdowns or whatever. Yeah. Uh, good fantasy for me last year. That was good. Yeah. Um. So what do you I think like about? I like Jameis. I uh, think he's in a tough spot there. Yeah. He got he got eye surgery, so maybe maybe that changes something. The Buccaneers. What do you think? So I, all these, we saw the Bucks new uniforms coming out. Yeah. I think Brady and those, I, I'll never like that as a Pats yeah. fan. What do you think about the new uniform slash old with the color rush blue? Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I mean, most people are. I mean, I'm not different. Everyone's resistant to change. No one likes change. I don't know if I love the Pats uniforms. I think they're fine. Um, they look, they look a little Falcons-esque, which I don't like what the Falcons did. But I think these ones are, are better than the Falcons. I just don't like how they went. Um, and you were saying this earlier. Why not go white pants with the, with the white jersey? Why do they go blue pants with the and white And I guess they're only wearing blue pants all year, which doesn't make sense to me. Maybe we'll see white pants in the future. I don't know. I do love the white, like the white in general. The blue, the blue color rush is my favorite. Uh, it's yeah. it's average, so you're not yeah. gonna get mad at it. Um, yeah. The classic, the classic Brady white Super Bowl Seahawks just reminds me, kind of that. The, the they have a little red stripe. I love, I like the red in the uniform. Don't, but these new Nike schemes. I don't know if I love them. I love basic uniforms in the NFL. Yeah. In the NFL college, love the craziness. I'm used. Yeah. I usually like. The basics. I mean, my favorite uniform of all time is the red throwbacks, and I know they've been talking yeah. about that. But they can't get the uniforms until the white helmets. They can, the helmet rule with the concussions, which is, I think is another get L thing that uh, is so stupid. They should. They can have the same two helmets. It's not going to change mm. anything. Those are my favorite uniforms of all time. I still have my Brady throwback. Um, besides that, nothing really else. Yeah, going on, going on uniforms. What do you think of the? You see that the new MLB change they're doing? How they're having 
like every uni is now going to have the Nike swoosh in the top right. Did you see that? Yeah. It's like the, they're all changing. The NBA has the whatever, the yeah. advertising now. We have yeah. G. So anywhere you make money, Nike's going to take over everything as soon as we know it. I, what yeah. do they have? They have NFL, MLB. They'll never get NHL, right? They don't have NHL. Yeah. I don't know. I forget who had – I mean, there used to be uh, – Nike Bauer used to be the company, but now it's just Bauer. I don't know if Nike still has any stake in that, but I think they're – I I think they might be out. But, I mean, Nike – I mean, they make the best stuff, in my opinion. Completely agree. I mean, maybe we're biased, but Nike was always the gold standard yeah. Yeah. for us. I'm always going to be a Nike guy. I'm an, an, I'm an anti-Under Armour guy, honestly. Always been. No. I don't like it. The only time I'll wear Under Armour um, cold is like, weather. Oh, yeah, cold weather. They make the best cold weather gear. I don't like Nike's cold weather gear. And then Adidas is just always kind of in the middle for me. I like, I like a lot of the Adidas apparel, like uh, hats, sweatshirts, uh, yeah. sweatpants. But yeah. if I'm go- in, in on the field, if I'm getting cleats or a helmet or whatever it is I'm buying, I mean, Nike's the Nike's I mean, the gold. I'm a big uh, New Balance baseball guy, though. With the, just yeah. the cleats. Just yeah, the cleats. No, I got. Yeah, maybe I got we're biased because I guess we we're on Vikings. They gave us like those cleats or something like that. But I'm I think always, New Balance. Uh, I think New Balance is the top of the line for baseball cleats. I think, I think definitely now. Nowadays. Yeah, I got new ones this year, and I'm loving them. They're they're great. Yeah, I mean, I I got them and used them. Uh, twice, three times, yeah, I, three games. Yeah, I used. Yeah, we played seven games. I but even those games, I was like, uh, I I like cut them up a little bit. My my cleats. I don't know if I run just like an idiot or what it is, but I like kind of messed up my cleats a little bit. But whatever. The pitcher, mine are very pristine on the on the Trinity College turf we have. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely. I'm, I'm, I but I yeah I had the the white cleats on the dirt is. I mean, you can't have fresh white cleats. You have to at least get them a little dirty, which I was happy. At least we could play uh, some. Could get them one, of my, one of the starting pitchers on the team had the Jordan Whites, and I was like, dude, you can't. can't do that. But I'm, I'm always, I've never been a big swag guy. Maybe when I was like 10-year-old All-Stars, that was like yeah. my last swag days. I was, yeah, like, was pretty basic that, uniforms. That was something I wanted to uh, – I forgot to ask Mike was – he was a big headband guy in high school. I was watching his mixtapes. He had that, the headband. I'm kind you're, of, you're, you're a headband guy. Uh, no, I wasn't a headband guy. I wear, no, I wasn't a headband guy. Yeah, I've ne- never been. I wear like, like, a, I wear like an arm. I wear like an armband or something. Yeah, I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up for today. Yeah. Um, top. I mean, first first podcast. Hopefully, hopefully everyone likes it. Most of our friends will be watching. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll good. get some Kirks out, get some awkward spaces, get some um, some likes, some voicing. But I yeah, think I'm sure we get shit on by all of our friends who listen to it. But hey, that's just that's just growing the pod, you know. Yeah, if they listen this long, hopefully they stay. <laughs> I mean, hey, if it, if anyone's still listening right now, like, thank you, power. Sure, sh- sh- yeah, shoot us a text. Yeah, yeah, you're a real one. <laughs> um. So next next podcast coming out will be with uh, Rockies pitcher Ben Bowden. Looking forward to it. He's a Guy that grew up around us, we got to watch him when he was in high school. So he's a Rockies uh, reliever right now, made the 40-man. Hopefully it's a great interview. No, he's a really good guy. Yeah, hopefully a little less ums and likes and we clean it up a little bit for the next interview. All right. See ya. See you guys. Let me see you act up in
from the very start I don't blame you much for wanting to be free I just wanted you to know